Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbos, Baba, 
Zadie, Zadie, you're telling me what Shabbos means to you. That God surely loves me like he does every Jew. Candles, they always burn so bright on Friday nights. The smell of challah is always right on Friday nights. And when we're here and we're all dressed up, my father picks up the key, the cup, and I know it's the start of a special day. Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos starting Friday night, every Friday night, I got my Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos, oh, oh, I got my Shabbos starting Friday night, every Friday Friday night. Friday night. As when we 
Jam in the AM Friday morning on this era of Shabbos on this December the 17th and the 13th of Teves. Good morning, good morning, and thanks for tuning in from around the world. Much appreciated, that I can tell you. Uh, Hamalach, you might hear a few of those today. Yaakov Shweki, before that, Yeshiva Boys with their Hamalach. Eitan Freilach with his Hamalach. I got my Shabbos and bring back that Shabbos feeling from Schlockrock. I played I got my Shabbos because I saw it at about 4 a.m. on the app. There was a, a request for that selection from Schlock Rocks. I figured, hey, maybe a couple hours later, but we'll fulfill the request. Bosch Abbas done by Achenu, and of course, Regesh and Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayichi, Erev Shabbos Chazak. We close out the book of Rashis. I'll tell you, I'm getting to a point in life where I'm stopping to focus on just how fast time is flying. I mean, it wasn't it yesterday that we were just reading Bracious on Simchas Torah? I guess that was, you know, toward the end of September, right? It was toward the end of September. So here we are a couple of uh, two and a half months later, and I guess it makes sense that we're wrapping up the book of Bracious. But I'm going to try to keep to my word and stop focusing on how uh, how fast time is flying because it, it just there's no benefit to it. There's absolutely no benefit. Uh, to focusing on that. Uh, time is flying. This is the greatest moment ever. Someone sent me a video. I, I'm saying that because someone sent me a video this week of uh, somebody who, as they were in a very, uh, as they were in a terminal situation, I'm sorry for bringing that up, uh, but it just happens to be that the person was was uh, in a grave situation medically. Um, every time someone asked him how things are going or how are you, he would say it's the best moment of my life, that this being in the present right now is the best moment of my life. So no more focusing on how fast time is flying. All we're focusing on is that this is the best moment of our lives. And in a way, it certainly is. Friday morning, JM in the AM with candle lighting at 410 on this era of Shabbos. So it is Shabbos Chazak. We do close out the book of Bracious. And it's a quote-unquote early Shabbos, 410, 56 degrees, a mix of sun and clouds, and a high of 58. I know it's hard to believe 58 in the middle of December. Cloudy with a low of 41 tonight, then rain over Shabbos with a high of 45 degrees. Right now, 53 in Yerushalayim, where I spoke to uh, Simon Jacob just a few minutes ago. He sends regards to everybody. Simon is uh, in Jerusalem. We were talking about the fact that... um, now, that might be why I'm so philosophical this morning. It right, it really might be the reason why I'm so philosophical this morning. Because once we canceled our trip on Wednesday, and I feel further and further disconnected from the Holy Land, uh, I got very philosophical. And I was discussing with him just how difficult it is with all the things going on, and thank God life is great, but with all the, you know, the craziness going on in everybody's life, that this whole business of being completely separated from Israel uh, is a is a feeling that I'm ha- that's the one of all the things that we've uh, incorporated into our lives over the last two years uh, b- uh, being you know more alone and, and not seeing people as often and not going to events and you know big dinners and all this other stuff I think the thing that is affecting me the most is the disconnect from the Holy Land and this is somebody who's been there a couple of times but it's just this this was a this was a big blow because when we uh, planned this trip early in December, we had the entire lineup set. We had all of our sponsors, all of the organizations, everything lined up for a really 
comprehensive trip to Israel, then postponed it once, postponed it twice, and then this week we said that's it. It's a cancellation at this point. And and that is that. And uh, we'll see when we can reschedule, please God. But that might be the reason I'm so philosophical. Speaking of Israel, listener Tikva says, Shabbat Shalom, Eretz HaKodesh. Hope you can all come and visit as soon as possible. Let's say that again. Uh, listener Tikva also reminds me that JB, Yaakov Benaya, is celebrating his 16th birthday. So talk about time flying. Yeah. 16 years old. Yom Huledet Sameach from all of us here at JM in the AM. And Hindi was the one who wanted Lenny Solomon's I Got My Shabbos. We got that on the air. Trucker Yit says, good morning. Erev Shabbos Chazak. Nice to listen as, uh, as uh, I'm trucking. Trucker Yitz is trucking in the Bronx this morning. Well, Yitz, got to, good to hear from you as always. That's an understatement. Always great to hear from you. Um, don't forget, Sunday morning, the Amudim live stream. Uh, go to uh, unitetoheal.com. I will kick it off at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. UniteToHeal.com, UniteToHeal.com. Looking forward to that big week next week. Our Giving Tuesday is on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. We'll be live at Got to Get a Bagel in Woodmere with many, many special guests. I have a major, major announcement to make. This is so unlike the way we have fundraised over the last 38 years. Um, we are in a in a um, online campaign with our friends at CauseMatch. And the link at the very top of NahumSiegel.com, the banner at the very top of NahumSiegel.com, now gives you the opportunity to support us early in our campaign. So officially, Giving Tuesday is this Tuesday, but officially, it's going to be a 27-hour campaign, and officially, now it is open. So you don't have to wait till Tuesday. You don't have to wait until the end of the campaign. You don't have to wait until next week. Right now, if you are a, a if you are somebody who has always been, and if you're listening right now, I have to assume that you have always been, or at least for the recent past, whether that recent past is a month, a year, five years, or ten years, I have to assume that you are somebody who feels it's worthwhile to tune into us every single morning, every single day. Here's your opportunity right now to get it all, get us off to a great start. The link is live. You could donate right now and support NSN, JM and the AM, and the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. You can do it right now. Go to the top at NahumSiegel.com. There is a banner there. Go to the top com. You will see the banner. Just click on it, and um, and that's it. It's simple as that. And uh, we appreciate your donations. We appreciate your support. We have spoken countless times about the importance of our listeners' support in addition to all the other arenas of support that we have. So thank you for making our listener support uh, uh, arena as strong as possible. And those of you who have... Uh, who have an itch, an urge, an impetus to give right now and to get us off to a good start in our campaign, please do. NahumSiegel.com. Again, NahumSiegel.com. Just click at the top of the page, and um, and you'll see the banner at the top of the page. Just click on the banner, and that is that. Now, I'm looking at my app. I just want to make sure that on the app you could also click at the very top, and it seems that, in fact, you can. It seems that right now, when you go to the NSN app, uh, right now when you go to the NSN app, you could literally uh, click on the banner at the top of the app and donate as well. So if you're on the app, or if you are on your computer, or if you're on any device that gets our website or our stream or anything, right now you can support us and be part of the early part of our campaign 
and we greatly appreciate it by going to NahumSiegel.com or the NSN app and just clicking on the banner at the very top. It really is as simple as that, and I say thank you to all of you. Um, you know, we today's Friday. Malcolm Holine is scheduled to join us, Rabbi Uden, of course, Harry Rothenberg. I mean, on, on days that we have almost nothing going on here, we have a million things going on, uh, plus the great music, of course. We presented the Arab Shabbos show uh, earlier today, uh, by uh, hosted by Mark Zamek. That's coming up again at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Arab Shabbos music mix, the final hour at 3 o'clock today. Uh, tomorrow night, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull to kick off the week. Sunday, JM Sunday with Matis at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. I mean, it is it is endless. The programming we provide is endless. The um, the conversations we have here, thank God, are endless on many important topics and many great community events and many things that are happening around the Jewish world. Uh, all we ask is that you acknowledge it and give as generously as possible. NahumSiegel.com, banner at the top, NSN app, banner at the top. JM the AM Friday, plenty more coming up. Whew, that's an understatement. Plenty more coming up between now and at 9 a.m. And I thank you all for uh, tuning in and being part of this amazing listener experience. Simcha Liner at JM in the AM. It's six o'clock in the morning. He can hear his own heart beating. Hoping what filled his mind was just a bad dream the silence seems so eerie nothing is all he can see young child feels a shudder is this his new reality Just one more day. Mama's unsure, should she read the paper? Sadness at the same old news. Crying as she keeps on reading. How many more did we lose? Oh, yeah. He too does cry He'll call back 
His most beautiful rose But can we just say our goodbyes?
Shemay <laughs> Shamay 
Friday morning, JM in the AM with Micha Gammerman. What a medley that is to play that every single week. I almost do play it every single week. Uh, Lel Shabbat medley. Before that, Simcha Liner's Hamalach, and it's a Friday, and this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world of web and AlchemSegal.com on the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, any beloved NSN app. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. It's Erev Shabbos Chazak. Candlelighting 410 in New York. If you haven't yet uh, contributed to the early portion of our campaign, the banner at the top of NahumSegal.com and the top of the NSN app are both active. You, excuse me, just click on the banner and support us in our Giving Tuesday campaign, which, of course, the centerpiece of which will be this coming Tuesday from Gotta Get a Bagel out in Woodmere with lots of special guests, etc., etc., etc. Erev Shabbos Show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Malcolm Honline in the 7 o'clock hour. Um, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Lots happening on a Friday here at JM and AM. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. Boker Tov from JM and AM. Galay Tzal, בהר המנוחות בירושלים מתקיימת בשעה זו הלווייתו של יהודה דימנטמן שנרצח הלילה סמוך למאחז חומש. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מוסר שדימנטמן תושב שווי שומרון הותיר אחריו אישה ותינוק בן פחות משנה, אחד עשר אחים ושני הורים. הרב מורדכי דימנטמן, אביו של יהודה, ספד לו ואמר יהודה לשנים עשר אנחנו אחים והאחד איננו. יהודה בן הזקונים האהוב שלנו איננו, כולם אהבו אותו והוא החזיר אהבה לכולם. טרוף, טורף יהודה, אמר בדמעות האב השקול. שרי הממשלה אישרו במשאל טלפוני תוספת איחוד האמירויות, אירלנד, נורבגיה, ספרד, פינלנד, צרפת ושוודיה לרשימת המדינות האדומות. כך שהיציאה עליהן תוגבל החל מהלילה שבין ראשון לשני. כך מעדכנת כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. ההרחבה של מדינות אדומות נוספות תאושר רק ביום ראשון בישיבת הממשלה. שרי מפלגת העבודה נחמן שי ומרב מיכאלי התנגדו להחלטה. שרת התחבורה מיכאלי אמרה, עד שלא יושג מתווה סיוע אמיתי מיידי לתעופה הישראלית, לא אתן יד להמשך הפגיעה בה. כמו שהושג מתווה לתיירות, כך חייב להיות מתווה לתעופה. בלי זה החברות יקרסו והעובדות והעובדים ייפגעו, כך מיכאלי מדבריה, הביא כתבי, מדבריה הביאה כתבתנו לענייני תעופה עינב קרנר. פרקליט המדינה החליט לסגור את תיק החקירה נגד השוטרים שתועדו מקים את חבר הכנסת עופר כסיף במהלך הפגנה בשייח' ג'ראח לפני כשמונה חודשים. בהודעה שנשלחה לעורך דינו של כסיף נכתב כי ניתוח הראיות מביא למסקנה כי סיכויי ההרשעה בתיק אינם סבירים וכי בנסיבות העניין הכוח שהופעל בעת המעצר היה סביר. עם זאת נשקלת העמדה לדין משמעתי של שניים מהשוטרים שמנעו מחבר הכנסת לעזוב את המקום. עורך הדין דניאל חקלאי שמייצג את כסיף שוקל להגיש ערר ליועץ המשפטי לממשלה. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו לענייני משפט איתי שריג. 
שוטר נפצע קל ושני חשודים נעצרו בהפרת סדר בשכונת שייח' ג'ראח במזרח ירושלים. כתבתנו יערה אברהם מוסרת שלאחר שמפקד הכוחות במקום נתן הוראת פיזור, המתפרעים המשיכו בהפרת הסדר וחלקם אף השליכו כיסאות לעבר השוטרים. כתוצאה מכך, שוטר נפצע באורח קל לאחר שאחד הכיסאות שהושלכו פגע בראשו והוא פונה לקבלת טיפול רפואי. מזג האוויר גשם יורד מלווה בסופות רעמים יחידות מהצפון עד הנגב במדבר יהודה וים המלח קיים חשש קל משיטפונות. הטמפרטורות נמוכות מהרגיל לעונה, מחר משעות הצהריים הגשם ייחלש בהדרגה. ולזמני כניסת השבת, פרשת ויחי, שבת חזק, בירושלים שתי דקות לפני ארבע, בתל אביב בארבע ותשע עשרה, בחיפה בארבע ושש דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ואחת. ולזמני צאת השבת מחר בערב, בירושלים ב-5 ו-17, בתל אביב ב-5 ו-19, בחיפה ב-5 ו-16, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת מחר בערב ב-5 ו-20. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות. Princes among men in the service of Hashem. It's a bond that never ends, no. And thank God for that. You are princes among men in the service of Hashem. It's a love that never ends, no. 
And thank God for that, cause
They call it the early Shabbos band with Miss Sameach here at JM in the AM. Before that, Mordechai Shapiro's Abba, or Tate, crowned done by Yoni Z. JM in the AM, Friday morning, era of Shabbos, as we get ready to uh, close out the Book of Bracious. It's Shabbos Chazak, Parshas Vayechi, candlelighting at 410 in New York. Those of you who want to help us out uh, by uh, getting our campaign off to a great start, and boy, there are already some people out there who have gotten us off to a great start. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Go to the banner at the top at NahumSiegel.com. <coughs> Excuse me. Go to the banner at the top of NahumSiegel.com. And, um, and click on it and participate in our campaign, which is going to be uh, featured this coming Tuesday on Giving Tuesday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. We will be at Gotta Get a Bagel in... Uh, 
Woodmere Tuesday morning and very much looking forward to that. Again, if you want to help us get our campaign off to a great start, you can give right now by going to NahumSiegel.com or the NSN app and clicking at the banner on the top. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Harry Rothenberg in a moment. Our friends at Gaia Coffee want to remind you that if you have a hot, boiling cup, glass, or mug of water, all you need is a Gaia brew bag to toss into that cup or glass or mug, and you're all set with a fresh brewed cup of coffee early in the morning. Right now, yeah, 7.15 Eastern time. Who doesn't want a good cup of coffee at that point uh, or at this point? Uh, so anyway, go to GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com. Enjoy a 10%, excuse me, enjoy a 15% discount with promo code radio. Get your brew bags and start enjoying a, a worry-free, work-free cup of coffee. There's no work, nothing to do. You literally have your boiling water and toss in the brew bag. That's it. Um, and then you're all set with a fresh brewed cup of coffee. Makes it really, really easy early in the morning. GaiaCoffee.com, G-A-I-A Coffee.com. Um, by the way, on Wednesday, excuse me, by the way, on Tuesday, <laughs> when, we, when we do our Giving Tuesday show from Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere, we have confirmation that Cheryl Bienenfeld who might have been, in our last couple of Giving Tuesdays, the best interviewee when it comes to reasons to support the Nahum Siegel Network. She is confirmed to be with us Tuesday at Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere. So get ready. It is always great radio when she is on, and she'll be among uh, many wonderful guests this coming Tuesday uh, at Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere, New York. Giving Tuesday at the Nahum Siegel Network. Harry Rothenberg has some words regarding Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Here he is at JM in the AM. Just before his death, Yaakov blesses each one of his sons. He gives a beautiful blessing to his son Yosef. But it starts off awkwardly. As the sages explain in the first phrase, he refers to the fact that Yosef was extraordinarily handsome and that the women of Egypt used to scale the walls in order to get a glimpse of him. In the second phrase, he mentions the fact that Yosef's brothers embittered his life. They tormented him. They hated him. And then mentions the fact that Yosef remains strong and he gives him the beautiful blessing. But why start so strangely? What was going on? It got up to Yosef's turn and Yaakov, the patriarch said, get over here, you handsome devil. Did I ever tell you just how big a babe magnet you are? Why is he mentioning to Yosef, a grown, happily married man with two beautiful children, loyal to his wife, the fact that the Egyptian women used to lust after him. And then why is he mentioning the fact that his brothers hated him? We know that, and we're long past that. So I saw a great explanation as follows. He's telling Yosef, I am aware of your history, and I'm aware that anyone else with that history would have had a very different trajectory the exact opposite landing than the one that you had. Anyone else who was spurned, rejected from their household, sold as a slave by his own brothers to a distant country, who then, when things turned around, became a rock star there. Elvis was in the building. Anyone else would have thrown himself over that wall, would have crowd surfed into the waiting, willing arms of those Egyptian women, but not you. You said no, you restrained yourself, got married to one woman, stayed married and loyal to that woman, 
raise two beautiful Jewish children. You might think that as the patriarch, as the spiritual leader of the Jewish people, as the rabbi with the big beard, that I wouldn't notice these things, the fact that you're handsome and the Egyptian women were all over you. I am aware of this. I am aware of the extraordinary, mind-boggling temptation that you faced and faced down, that you conquered. And I want to tell you something, my son. You are amazing. And what a lesson for us as parents, as teachers, as employers, as counselors, somebody who looks up to us, a child, a student, an employee, does something wrong. We call them in and we call them on the carpet and we critique and we criticize and we admonish and we lecture and we preach. We've got to be more careful to look for the things that they do that are right, that are good, that are difficult and they do them right and bring them in and sit them down and tell them, I know what you did and I want you to know my son, my daughter, my student, my employee, you are amazing. Nothing more powerful than that.
Sun descends on Friday night, a stillness fills the air. I see a Jew who seems so distant, standing very near. He's passed this way before, he might just live next door. But somehow he's someone we've ignored. He watches as we walk to show our hearts so full of love. Dressed up in our finest to thank the one above. Yet none could find a way. Make time in their day to ask him if he'd like to come and pray. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Just one Shabbos, come and join with me. We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high. We 
will show them all it's true. Let them come and join us too. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Just one Shabbos, come and join with me. We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high. We will show them all it's true. Let them come and join us too. I said to him, hello, my friend. Seemed a bit surprised. I wished him a good job. His confusion filled his eyes. I've seen you all before. I'd love to learn much more, but I've never done it all. I'm just not sure. I asked him, Won't you join with us to understand and see? He came and stayed a while and thanked us happily. Next Shabbos came along, his feelings grew so strong. He first began to feel that he belonged. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. Just one Shabbos, come and join with me. We'll sing and dance to the sky with our spirits so high. We will show them all it's true. Let them come and join us too. Just one Shabbos and we'll all be free. J.M. in the A.M. Just one Shabbos with Benny Friedman and company. Avi Hess and Lachad Odi. You heard Yachad from Shlomo Kalbach. Dveikis at Hamalach. 
Goel, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM and the M, brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman has the most amazing and incredible display in your kosher supermarket of all the delicious meat items. And so many of them you may not have yet tried. So make sure to try all of them. Yeah, they're famous for their salami and many other great items. But there are so many and amazing, uh, so many amazing items from A&H, you may not have tried all of them yet. So go to your store, check it out, enjoy the display, and to bring some home for your family today when you do your Erev Shabbos shopping, like I'll be doing later on today. Also, 10% discount on all A&H products, Abel's and Hyman at uh, kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net. 10% discount with promo code radio, kosherdogs.net. GZ Settler says, I hope the U.S. is added on the red country list on Sunday. <laughs> okay. I'm so happy that GZ Settler loves this radio show and yet completely disagrees with me on this issue, but... I hear what you're saying. If I want to be in Israel, I should actually move to Israel. I hear it. Believe you me, I hear it. Yudi says, have a wonderful Shabbos. Nahum staff and listeners. Thank you, Yudi. Bracha says, as hard as it is for Jews in the diaspora can't visit us, it's hard for us here at home not to see our families. May Mashiach bring everyone soon in the wings of eagles and may all be suffering be gone forever. Oh, you want to hear country usies when Mashiach comes? Okay, we'll see if we can get to that before the end of the show. That's listener Bracha and Bracha, thank you. And AJA Carpool number 204 under the leadership of listener Daniel down in Atlanta says good morning and good Shabbos, and I thank everybody for that. Don't forget that Sunday morning I'll be hosting the kickoff of the Amudim event, Unite to Heal 2021 edition. Go to UniteToHeal.com. Let's make sure the Amudim event gets to their goal. They have a massive, massive budget, as Rabbi Tzvi Gluck and Yami Shachter explained earlier in the week. Let's make sure they get to their goal. Again, we'll kick it off on Sunday morning. Very much looking forward to that. UniteToHeal.com, UniteToHeal.com. And our fundraiser, as you know, is already underway. It's going to be featured on Giving Tuesday when we're at Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere. But right now, if you want to give and support us in our 2021 campaign, uh, you could do so this moment. If you like this program, if you love what we do, and I could list a number of reasons why it's worthy to support what we do here every single day. And we'll do that during the campaign. But right now, if you want to be an early contributor, we ask that you do so by going to the top of NahumSiegel.com and clicking on the banner, going to the top of your NSN app and clicking on the banner. Give generously, give what you can, and thank you so much. It is much appreciated. Uh, A reminder that um, the Young Israel Talmud Torah of Flatbush has their fall lecture series going on. And Dr. Henry Abramson is going to be speaking tomorrow night on the topic of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the first Jew of modernity. Uh, the lecture is sponsored in memory of the brave soldiers of the IDF who sacrificed their lives for the establishment and protection of the state of Israel. Again, Dr. Henry Abramson, uh, Dean of Turo College, is going to speak on Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the first Jew of modernity. It's happening tomorrow night, uh, 8.15 p.m. at the uh, Young Israel Talmud Torah of Flatbush, 1305 Coney Island Avenue between Avenues A and J, between Avenues I and J in Brooklyn, New York. Information, yittf.org, yittf.org, or 718-377-2528, 718-377-2528 for information. Malcolm Holmline is coming up. We'll do uh, that and plenty more here at JM in the AM. Just want to get to my, just want to get to this selection. And, um, and, uh, and so we'll do the weekly update coming up and then we will, uh, 
uh, get to Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour, of course. And uh, don't forget that uh, Mark Zamek has a wonderful edition, a 200th edition of the uh, Erev Shabbos show coming up. And that's going to be at 10 a.m. Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Friday morning air of Shabbos. Shmuley Unger with Kol Hamalameid here at JM the AM. Well, my apologies. Last, uh, very often, very often Malcolm Holmline is traveling or uh, meetings come up, etc., and we're not able to do the weekly update. But the last week was on me, as uh, many of you know. I was under the weather, and uh, thank God things are. are are uh, fine right now, but uh, that was the last-minute uh, postponement, cancellation, however you want to view it, of last week's weekly update. Good to be back, of course, here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com. You know that before Shabbos arrives at 410 in New York or whatever time it is wherever you are, uh, if you want uh, a lot of articles, tremendous information, insight into what's happening in this amazing world of ours, uh, you can go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com, and uh, print out thousands of articles before Shabbos and um, catch up 
again, and, uh, on all the analysis of what's happening in this world of ours. Go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com, and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. And welcoming you back to <laughs> JM in the AM. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad the weather has gotten better and you're not under it anymore. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, as tall as I am, it's hard to get, <laughs> up, hard to get under anything, but thank God things are great. <laughs> And I appreciate that welcome back. I don't usually, I'm not usually the recipient of that type of uh, of greeting. Um, well, you know what happened in the Shomron, and and you and I have discussed this now more than uh, once over the last uh, couple of months, uh, and that is that uh, we, uh, as, as peaceful as times are, thank God, and as quiet often as times are, thank God, and with the great relationship that Israel has with so many countries in the region, thank God. Nonetheless, there is the enemy who always finds creative ways to uh, uh, to murder uh, our best. In this case, uh, this young man in his 20s married with a child under the age of, uh, under the age of one. Um, I don't know what insight you can give to us other than, you know, that this is the reality. Uh, I do know, because you always report to us, that the Israeli authorities, intelligence, etc., are stopping a lot of these attacks. But sadly, Malcolm, they continue. It doesn't take any courage or any creativity to carry out the kind of cowardly terrorist attack that we saw that took the life of uh, one boy, uh, one young man, the father and uh, husband, and wounded two others who are, thank God, not in serious condition. Right. Just to open fire, it, it's no it's no courage. You just stand on a street corner, you go into an entrance, go anywhere. It doesn't take much planning. But what we have seen uh, over the last few weeks the arrest of 50 people in a Hamas operation and prevented very serious attacks. We know that they had sniper operations around Israel uh, prepared and other uh, means of, of trying to carry out a large-scale uh, terrorist attacks that Baruch uh, Hashem were prevented. So you see that it's both organized and, and yet it inspires sometimes an individual just to go out Take a gun and shoot somebody. It, it's the most cowardly act. Of, you know, people didn't have a weapon. They were just driving home from from uh, yeshiva that day, wow. uh, and um, it, it is the dangerous. What terrorism? People think they're courageous. No, they're cowards. That's why they don't stand up against an armed force, or they don't stand up against you know somebody who can fight back. They they attack the the weak and the defenseless, and this is uh, and clearly there is. Um, an asserted and concerted effort, and thank God uh, the intelligence has been quite remarkable in, in preventing it, but it's not foolproof. Malcolm, it sounds like, and again, I'm just, just the way you're reporting on this, it sounds like that as much as Iran, Hezbollah, the PA, and whoever else you want to cite, uh, you know, sponsors and funds and helps plan and carry out terror activities, it sounds like this one was literally, as you just described, just random, where somebody who has been inculcated with the hatred of Jews went out and decided to do something about it. Well, first of all, it doesn't exculpate Iran that has a role in, in everything. And as you know, Hamas is building up its presence in southern Lebanon uh, alongside Hezbollah. That could not happen without Iranian approval. Right. And uh, they, it, it poses a whole new level of danger because their modus operandi is different. 
They're not as beholden to the people of Lebanon as Hezbollah is and has to be accountable for. Uh, the majority of people there in all these polls that are coming up lately uh, do not support and don't want to be, they don't want to be put in the danger of the, of the retaliatory strikes that would be necessary. But at the same time, Hezbollah builds up its capacity. Now we have the added element of, uh, of Hamas. And look at the statements that their leadership did on their 34th anniversary. You know, we're not giving up one inch of land. Mm-hmm. They they are reinforcing their messages. Uh, so it's, it's they need money. There has to be somebody funding them. And cutting off the oxygen is an important way, but it's not the, the total solution. Yeah. All right, you mentioned Iran, obviously in a different context, but boy, oh boy. Yeah, and, and I don't know if I should really start from this angle. I don't even know if it's fair, uh, you know, in, until we get to a point where there's some hindsight in history. I don't know if it's fair to even bring it up at this point. But, I mean, the, the, there, is a, there is speculation now or analysis that the effort that Prime Minister Netanyahu at the time made to get the U.S. out of the Iran deal may be backfiring. Uh, I, I know we have a lot to talk about regarding Iran, but can we j- just start with that for a moment? Is it is, is there any uh, is there any uh, negative uh, aspect to what the U.S. did in light of um, uh, what's happening now with the possible deal with Iran? Well, this has been a subject of discussion by former heads of Mossad, by other analysts in Israel and elsewhere, that uh, questioning whether the pullout. Uh, by taking America away from the table. I think quite the contrary. The big mistake was providing tens of billions of dollars to them, which enabled them to continue their operations throughout the region. Uh, you know that the Iranian currency is in free fall. It, since the, in the 100 days since Raisi became the president, I think it went from 31 or 32,000 toman to the dollar to 21,000 to the dollar. It's free fall in, in every respect. The, the internal disruptions and anger, the fact that half the country is in drought, all of these things, I mean, there are many factors that are at play. So the presence of the United States, which does not sit at the table in Vienna in negotiations, they're in a separate room because they're not party to the deal. I think the uh, message is the sanctions work, that Iran has no interest really in a deal they're moving ahead all of this time. They take advantage of the delays, which they insist on. And this is the seventh round of talks. And the, the uh, last one was in May and they, or June, and they insisted on these delays because they're using all of this time to enhance their nuclear program, their weapons program, in, in, you know, putting in the more advanced uh, uh, centrifuges. That, uh, it, the the uh, IEA people are not, International Atomic Energy people, are not allowed to go to visit the site. That's not because America pulled out. America being in the deal would, would not have uh, made it any better for, for the uh, inspectors or uh, seeing that, in fact, we should be increasing the sanctions. Others in the region, like the UAE, Saudi Arabia, are all doing backdoor or frontdoor talks with uh, Iran because they lack the confidence in the United States. When they saw the United States has consistent messages, tough policy, clear lines, and that they can trust, then they react accordingly. Now there's a sense that there's no sure lines, and no, in general, the Europeans, of course, are, are always feckless in this regard, that the, it's the message that they say, you know, in the Middle East, people act on perception, yeah. not necessarily reality. And, and we have to think in their terms. And what we've done is to sow all of these seeds of, of doubt about where, where we stand, 
Uh, and the, in the meantime, Iran just builds up its capacity at the expense of its people who would welcome any, any the sanctions and other things if it meant that their life would be better and the oppressive regime uh, would be removed. Right. Um, somewhere I read about uh, cameras that were uh, either guaranteed to be on the— uh, Right. And, and, yep. th- and those cameras, the Iranian officials make sure don't work or are covered up, et cetera. I mean— There were their iPhone 6s. So they, the, the, these are— these are uh, special cameras that are affixed to the entrances to places like Natanz and Karaj. Karaj, nobody has seen the inside. They're making the more advanced centrifuges there. Natanz is football field-sized building. If you remember, is, uh, somebody uh, took out, uh, and there, were, uh, there was a huge explosion, fire knocked down. But nine months later, it's back functioning. Uh, it's underground. It's, it's uh, hardly accessible. But the building materials had explosives in them let alone drones that came and other aspects, including supposedly the co-option of some of the nuclear scientists uh, in it. So the, the videos and the cameras, that was the inspections regime. And the inspectors were supposed to be allowed to go there to look at the back footage of the cameras and to see what was going on, if they were bringing in, what they were bringing in materials, et cetera. You can tell from that what the activities is. And in fact, what they did is they took the cameras, the Iranians, took the films, destroyed the cameras, refused to share them. And even now, after they've reached an agreement, a, a, a partial agreement with the International Atomic Energy Agency, they are not allowing them access to the cameras, and they are, are, are not living up to any of the responsibilities that they undertook uh, as part of it to, to avoid being sanctioned by IEA, which would mean that, the, that they would be go before the Security Council. This is the threat now, and they are working feverishly that the, to avoid that, and, of course, incorporated that is a lot of threats right but if action or reaction speaks louder than words the u.s and the u.n security council are being played for fools when these camera episodes happen and the way they react it doesn't seem that they that it bothers them enough that and i think that's enough of an indication that they are willing to let iran get away with stuff because when when a an egregious violation like this whether it's an official legal violation or not is not my point. But when something like this happens and they don't react the way you would think, you know, someone who's being played as a fool would react, it seems to tell us that they're really willing to give Iran a pass on these things. Yeah, and the, and the guise is that they don't want to upset the talks in Vienna right. by reacting too strongly, when in fact the only message that works in Vienna is that they see that we're really going to be, be tough you know, we know that Iran is now preparing another space launch, which is advances more than the space activity. It is to, to advance their ballistic missile capacity, which is the delivery system. So on every front, uh, we see we have increased sanctions. The United States has put more sanctions in on some individuals and things. But it's not the kind of collective um, uh, sanctions that are really critical. Uh, and, and we see that the Raisi announced he's visiting 15 neighboring countries. Their decision is to go east to look to China, Russia, and the uh, Muslim countries of the Middle East, uh, from, I guess, Pakistan to Azerbaijan as their trading partners and to build up their economic relations there and not going turning towards Europe and the United States. The truth is you can't substitute for them, but it is an orientation that is different. So they are building in the, the defenses, the mechanisms, as they continue all of their nefarious activities, again, at the expense of their people, 
uh, who are not don't have food, who don't have medicines, don't have other things, not because of sanctions, but because of their government's priorities are, are not to benefit the people. They're taken care of. The leadership is taken care of, but not the people. All right, and we can't leave the Iran issue without bringing up the biggest point of the week, and that is that uh, both in terms of their statements, maybe you would say in terms of their behavior, I'm talking about the administration in Jerusalem, uh, the way they're talking, uh, the way this issue of the refueling tankers not being available at the moment from the U.S. and that being a big story, uh, it, it seems almost more than ever, and it's hard to believe that Netanyahu, the, the Netanyahu era would not have been considered you know, at that point more than ever, but it seems more than ever that Israel is publicly telling the world that we are ready to strike Iran, and, but, but it seems to be more of a realistic uh, um, a way of going than it has in the past. Is this now the hottest point that we've been at in terms of Israel, you know, ready to 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 strike? I would say that the, the threats are credible, that Israel is serious. They don't have a, sh- a choice because once the facilities become hot, meaning once they have uh, are already advancing towards a nuclear weapon and they're enriching at 60 percent, they're moving faster and faster. They now use the IR-6s, the centrifuges, which means that they can do it much faster, much more sophisticated. You know, Israel has demonstrated its capacities. It's destroyed 75 percent of the weapons of the ship by Iran to Syria. And, and, and yet Iran doesn't get deterred. They just keep shipping and they send more and more sophisticated stuff into, into Iran. Their space program advances. They, and they see that the weakness amongst some of their allies, that some of their neighbors in the region, who are certainly not allies of theirs, uh, advances as well. Israel uh, can't wait, therefore, for it to become hot because then you can't blow up a building because the radiation and everything would spread. Wow. I never uh, really thought of that. And, and, and wow. uh, so you have to act uh, just before that happens, you know, before they start dropping the uh, – the final shoot drops, it's, it's too late. And we have to assume the, uh, that Israel knows right. exactly what point they're at, right? I mean, just based on uh, prior operations that Israel has conducted in Iran, we have to assume that they know exactly what they're up to there. And I think that's the big deterrent. It's that the, you know, the, they live in fear, the Iranian leadership, because they've seen how Israel has been t- able to take out the head of their, their nuclear department, how they have co-opted people, how, they, uh, how the level of information is very exact and, and very, uh, very uh, accurate, uh, very precise, to say, to say the least. And uh, so Iran is working on multiple fronts. They have their domestic attacks, you know, supporting the Houthis, Hezbollah, Hamas, et cetera, Libya. They are working on the, the, the nuclear program's three parts. And they are also now reaching out, as, and why it's important that they see this regional approach and that even the UAE, arch enemies, Saudi Arabia, are talking to them. So they're saying, look, time, time then could be on our side if you, if you wait long enough, everything sort of comes around to you. And, uh, you know, there's, there isn't this consistent sense of fear of what the West could do. Certainly Germany, France, and Great Britain, the three important interlocutors in the talks uh, who remain, along with Russia, China, um, they have proven to be gutless wonders, and and the um, and the fact is that the regime is in trouble. There, are, the demonstrations are continuing. The people, the unrest in the country is, is very great. 
Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, around the world, the web, at NahumSiegel.com. Uh, and, of course, on the NSN app. I'm, I'm thinking to remind everybody about the banner at the top of NahumSiegel.com, the banner at the top of the NSN app. Our year-end giving campaign is now live. Give what you can to support us. Keep programming like this going. Again, the top of NahumSiegel.com, the top of the NSN app. Uh, so, Malcolm, what do you make, then, of the delay, quote-unquote, of these fuel tankers and the U.S. declaring that they're under back order? I mean, is, is this a tactic? Is this a deterrent? Um, you know, we, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure Israel doesn't strike, or is this literally a supply chain problem? Uh, I think that there are various factors involved. There is a supply chain problem. Uh, there's also a back order of planes and these planes are scheduled to be delivered in four years, which is what the contract called for. Right. And there's and two of them out of the four. Israel obviously wants to expedite it because it gives the capacity to support dozens of planes. These fly, planes that fly 24 hours, and they provide fuel refueling capacity in air to uh, to dozens of of uh, planes. So it's really vital for any kind of long-term, long-distance operation. Uh, I, I hope members of Congress will intervene. I hope that there will be some rectification of this. Uh, and, then, and the danger, again, is not just that Israel needs it. They're flying planes that are 50 years old for this purpose. Um, but it's also the message, both to Iran and to Israel's neighbors, you see how Egypt has reached out, the, the Lapid visit, others. The, there's a lot going on in terms of cooperation, not yet at the people level, but others, because if they, they want an Israel that's strong and reliable and, and also as a road to Washington, if they believe that, that the relationship between the United States and Israel is such that they can't even get uh, an aircraft expedited, and there are those who like they did with the um, funding for the Iron Dome. You know, they were said that they right. was defeated. It was defeated. It wasn't defeated. It was a, that was a lie. It was a distortion. If there were nine votes against it, and then it, and when it came up the next week, the vote was 420 to 9 or 10 because, you know, it was a technical thing. Here, there could be technical aspects, but I think there's more than that. What about the Senate vote on Iron Dome? The Senate vote in Iron Dome is still being held up by Senator Rand Paul. And, um, I mean, is it fair to say that it's consistent with his position in general, that he's generally not into providing aid for countries around the world, or we're being, or I'm being too generous to him saying that? He's an ordinary character, and he is, um, you know, he has his own views, and he pursues them for, it could be technical reasons, it could be other things, but the fact is that this is, a defensive weapon is vital for Israel's security, and there is no justification. I know it's the frustration of a lot of his Republican colleagues that people have worked very hard to try and get it to to reverse it. <laughs> but so far, he's still it's just one man holding up. You know, also there are other senators who are holding up the nominations of the of the ambassadors. I think there are 30 countries that don't have U U.S. ambassadors. Uh, which is not good. Hmm. By the way, speaking of uh, Kentucky, and, and we alluded to it because of Rand Paul, um, apparently Israel sent rescue teams to the ravaged states that got hit by the tornado last weekend, which we 
need to we, we did. yeah we wish we need they to keep did. in mind and spread the word about as you know as Israel's being BDSed all over the place we got to remind the world uh, that they're sending people you know thousands of miles to help rescue people who who might still be alive well unfortunately Israel has tremendous expertise in it but it wasn't only that they sent water they sent other things right. from Israel to to uh, to Kentucky and it, what, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure that they'll be, they'll find some reason to condemn it and say that Israel has aspirations to occupy Louisville or something that uh, will, will turn it on its head. I hear that. Um, you're, you may not be the right target for these comments because <laughs> as much as we argue about, you know, uh, which things fall into your domain and what things do not, I don't know if this topic falls under anyone's domain anymore. Uh, I think we're extra sensitive here in this studio because our trip just got canceled. We had a big broadcast trip, as you know, for December, which was postponed three times and then eventually scheduled for the last week in December. And now, of course, with the new regulations, that's not going to happen. I I don't know how long this corona is going to last. I don't know what your feeling is about how the prime minister is handling things. But in the bigger picture, and maybe I'm making too big of a deal of this, but in the bigger picture, this disconnect between Israel and the diaspora, which, again, we could argue if Israeli officials need to be worried about that. I think historically we know that they do, but okay. I, I'd like to get your comment on that in a moment. Uh, but uh, this disconnect between Israel and diaspora continues to get deeper and deeper and more severed and more severed. So forget for a moment if we're allowed in tomorrow or not, just philosophically and in terms of the future of the relationship between diaspora Jews and Israel, I think there's a tremendous amount of suffering going on and that we're going to anticipate down the road. Down the road. I think that there is a problem, especially uh, with young people, although the Masa, the birthright trips were exempted. Right. Uh, but I know many, many groups that have not gone. And yes, but on the other hand, I think for a lot of people, it woke them up. They took Israel for granted. They thought that it always be that they always have access. That you know they can go and come when they want. And for many people, I think it's built up the longing and the connection, the sense of connectivity, because they feel the what it meant in their lives that they were not able uh, to go. It looks like uh, it could happen in the next few days that America will be declared a red country, which will entail a longer quarantine for visitors coming from the United States. Israelis going to the United States, as seven other countries were added this week, more will be added. Uh, the uh, you know there's an expected surge; it's already started, but the, in many countries for the winter, uh, and the, the the limitation has been extended to through December 29th already, and could well be extended into January, which it is very unfortunate. I think it's a, a terrible thing that uh, people have been separated from their families. I can't tell you how many, you know, cases we've tried into Cedar, you know, where there was real necessity for people to be uh, in Israel. Uh, but, you know, they're going by the signs they say or by the uh, the best estimates. Everybody understands the, the damage to the tourism industry, which is economic. And you have to think of the second level of the suppliers, the yep. cleaners, the Everybody, I mean, it has such a broad ramification uh, in the country. Uh, so, you know, nobody can take these decisions lightly, but they, the cost of, of, you know, wider spread and more intensive uh, illness, they, they, when hospitals, again, are finding it difficult to accommodate all these critical care cases, this 
this is um, even, you know, it's a decision I wouldn't want to have to make. Yeah, I get that. But even with your analysis, the tone of your voice tells me that you've given up on trying to figure this thing out already. I mean, I know you've said figure that. Figure it out? Never. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's so frustrating. It could drive you crazy. All right, a couple of more things. What did you make of the uh, UAE Crown Prince meeting with the Prime Minister of Israel this week? I think that it was a very important statement and came a time of an Arab summit that MBS, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, uh, convened in Riyadh, attended by Ibn Qatar and others, uh, Oman, uh, Bahrain, Kuwait. Um, the interesting thing there is that the king, uh, King Salman, was not there. He has not been seen in about 20 months. I think he had one appearance. Uh, and when Macron came, it was the crown prince who, who greeted him and, and met with him. And obviously, it dealt with a lot of issues um, related to Iran. And uh, as, so at the same time as they're having talks, which have not yielded any breakthroughs, I think there were more men to try to prevent attacks on their countries by the UAE and Saudi Arabia than acceptance or some big shift in terms of their uh, uh, relationship with uh, with, Iran, with Iran. So coming in that setting, it was very important mm. that not only that he that Bennett was accepted in such a public way, right. but also that the Crown Prince there accepted an invitation to come and visit Israel. And it reflects a broad depth to the relationship that is not just superficial, that it's a piece of the people. You know, relationships, let's say, with Israel and Egypt have really improved greatly. And Egypt is doing a lot in Gaza. And Lapid was there, and it was a high-profile visit uh, where uh, Al-Sisi, you know, uh, welcomed him. And Al-Sisi is, by the way, doing wonderful things to restore Jewish heritage sites in Egypt. Wow. The Morocco, but this week, announced hundreds of new sites, synagogues, heritage sites, Jewish heritage sites that they are restoring and rebuilding. Uh, but in Egypt uh, as well, and it doesn't get much credit. He's tried to change the textbooks. He's done a lot. Unfortunately, it doesn't seep down yet to the people, but more and more exposure uh, makes, uh, makes a difference. So these visits, which may seem to be pro forma, are, are really of significance and sends a message to, to uh, Turkey, Iran, others uh, who are very unhappy when they, uh, when they take place. But the, the, there are a lot of visits. That's why I mentioned what the, the charm offensive by Regisi visiting all these countries and others, um, that the, there's a lot of tumult, a lot of turmoil that's going on that doesn't make the depressed, but is very critical. And the beneficiaries, China goes into each situation and exploits it. Russia goes into each situation and exploits it. And those, those things can have really long-term consequences. Uh, that's interesting, the relationship with Israel and Egypt, which— uh... Um, I, I appreciate you bringing that to our attention. What would you say about Israel and Saudi Arabia? It seems like everything that we are hearing is that things are, are improving constantly, but we really don't get any details. Like We don't hear much about what's really happening behind the scenes. Are, are, are they also enjoying a better and better relationship? I think that there's more and more going on. There is more trade and exchanges and much more openness. Uh, they said again this week that they can't establish diplomatic relations until the Palestinian issue is resolved. <clears throat> That's a play both to their domestic constituency and because of Iran's tumult with the Shia population in Saudi Arabia. But um, there, there are uh, uh, steps forward, I would say, that, that are taking place. 
clearly there's coordination on the security level. The UAE, by the way, participated in and observers in the massive uh, Air Force maneuvers, uh, the blue flag maneuvers that took place just recently, uh, record participation by many countries from, the, from Europe, from the, the region. Uh, Jordan even uh, participated uh, in, in it. So, you know, there's, there's much more going on in terms of visits, exchanges, uh, desire to enhance the existing uh, operations. I've met with the ambassadors and officials from many of the Gulf countries just in the last few days and week, and uh, I see that the, the openness, the desire for it. The problem is often that the, the lack of clarity here about policy, the, the, the um, stimulation, everything is coming externally and not from here. So if there's a, um, a desire to see the ceremony, to you know, have the formal signing and all that, you, you basically would say to us, just ignore all that and know that behind the scenes everything's progressing the way it should. Yeah, I, I don't know that the you know having formal diplomatic relations is really the uh, critical test. More right. countries are opening offices uh, in Jerusalem uh, and are making the right kind of statements uh, about it. By the way, um, you, Ukraine opening up an embassy yeah. in Jerusalem is 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 trying to get Israel to choose sides of of Russia versus Ukraine, or, or really that it's completely well, above. You saw the president and others who have made very strong statements about the relationship with Israel. Israel is helping the uh, Ukraine, not against Russia, but this, this is a long-standing relationship. They're opening a branch of their embassy in Jerusalem, meaning I think they're not closing the Tel Aviv one, but they will have a branch embassy, and they a consulate in um, in Jerusalem. Obviously, that's important. Uh, the tension there is very, very big, and, and nobody should dismiss it. People right. don't generally care what happens. You know, in these, bur- these are not border skirmishes, though. This is a very serious battle in the heart of Europe. It, it involves the NATO. It involves the EU. It involves I mean, it's potential for full. More. It's potential for full-scale war. When you have 175,000 troops building up on the on yeah. the border, and they and they've demonstrated it before. They did it with the Crimea. You know, Putin. That Putin sets his mind on something, and he he moves. So, um, yeah, nobody should should dismiss the possibility here. I don't think it's just grandstanding. The United States took very strong response to it in terms of the economic, but, no, but not in terms of military involvement. We keep reading about Erdogan and his policy, his economic policies being complete failures. Most of the public there in Turkey having no confidence at this point, and I guess you would say that their economy is in some type of a free fall. Uh, a strong Turkey is better for Israel, or a weaker Turkey is better for Israel? Well, it depends who's in the leadership and what their policy is. Under Erdogan, obviously, a stronger Turkey means that they can create more problems. Uh, Turkey still hosts Hamas leadership in, in Istanbul. The, the currency there is down 45% in a year. The, the lo- local situation, remember, we have a big Jewish community there, a significant Jewish community that we, we are concerned about. We don't want to see people uh, suffering. But an indication is that the street vendors sell half bagels now in Istanbul because people can't afford, seriously, not a joke, to, to buy the whole thing. And, wow. um, and, and you know, Erdogan keeps firing the central bank uh, president, and uh, he's, he, he is opposed to, to the call that is growing for elections. Uh, amongst young people, unemployment is very high. 
and uh, you know they they have a very severe uh, situation. The economic situation is, is devastating, but his adventurism also continues, and you know he. Uh, puts out the nice words every once in a while for Israel, but at the same time pursues very harsh policies. And Turkey itself is is facing um, both the domestic unrest, and at the same time it is um, uh, trying to expand it, building mosques all over the world. He, he, there are a lot of aspects to, to Turkey's um, operations that that don't get much press coverage. But are significant. Turkey is this big country. It's a strong country. It's a member of NATO at the same time as it's now saying it's going to negotiate more purchase of weapons from Russia. Uh, and this for Russia, you know, Turkey was always called the soft underbelly mm-hmm. going back to Zaris days. So for them, it's a it's a big thing. And they but they continue the war against the PKK, against the Kurds, uh, and stepping it up often. Malcolm, I know this is not your issue. I really should bring somebody in from the organization to just uh, clear this whole thing up for us. Uh, but uh, if in the last minute you could just, I don't know, brief us on, on what you know. I always thought, as AIPAC announced that they're form- that AIPAC Political Affairs Committee is forming a political action committee, I always thought for the last many, many decades that that's the one thing AIPAC's not allowed to do is be a political action committee. Is this something you could give us a brief overview about? Well, it is a different, uh, it is a shift in strategy from their past activities, and the focus will be on those who are supportive of Israel. And to, um, it, it is a major change, I think, in their orientation. Uh, that, uh, but but it, it has to be a separate entity. There are organizations, J Street has a PAC, others have PACs, that uh, they used to to expand their leverage to be able to support directly candidates. APAC till now could not support financially candidates. They could invite certain ones to speak or others, but they would because of the 501c3 meaning tax exempt organizations are very limited. We are very limited. Others are, and we have a a, a non tax exempt entity that we was already established in the time of Fulbright back in the 60s because the, they would come after Jewish organizations. There was supposed to be a 5% limit on lobbying, i.e. political activity. Um, and that has become more more relaxed over the years, but still there is this restriction. So I think APAC will create a new entity that will be a public affairs action committee. And a political action committee is allowed to give donations to particular candidates to raise money and to support them more openly. So there'll probably be two APACs going forward. There will be, yes. It's, it's wow, uh, you know, like the, uh, like the embassy of uh, Ukraine. It will be a branch, but, but it will be, a, it has to be by right. law a separate entity. Interesting. If, in order for it to engage in those activities. It's funny because my reaction, I mean, look, you, you know the house I grew up in, so I'm sure you understand my reaction. But the first thing I said was, why didn't they do this 50 years ago? <laughs> like, we know how important it is to support candidates that are, you know, uh, in Washington. Uh, doing our bidding, so to speak, excuse the expression. Why didn't they do it 50 years ago? They're not doing our bidding. They're doing America's bidding. Right. And it's America's interest. I, I'm not remembering, but it's important for people to put these things in the right context and to, to uh, address it. That it, it, Look, there are members of APAC who have contributed and who, and they certainly hosted members, and it was appropriate activity. Um, 
and the separation w was good. It, it creates a lot of pressure situations on them too for for everyone who everybody will want to be recipients of, of funds. Uh, so basically, who isn't, right. so basically, the, may the, be problematic. So basically, the answer to why they didn't do it fifty years ago is they they would would have preferred to have avoided this, but they feel it's just necessary at this point. I think it's necessary, you know, and and the question they have about they're still. Uh, um, Debating about the next big conference, which were very valuable. People look forward to it from yep. around the country, yep. up to 18,000 people. But the fact is it cost them tens of millions of dollars to do it, and that money can perhaps be better allocated. APAC does really terrific work. They don't get enough credit in our community um, because, like us and others, they, you know, we don't always say what somebody may want to hear at the moment. Right. But that has nothing to do with the reality of the activities in which they are engaged or the conference or others are, are engaged today, that it's so much more important and, and vital. And unfortunately, you know, they can't just say whatever they want to say. There are people who have that liberty because they don't really have any responsibility. Right. And you can have and do what you want. Um, in this case, APAC, um, this was a very deliberative process. It didn't just make an announcement uh, one day that they decided to reorient. Right. Got it. Uh, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. God willing, look forward to it. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM. A reminder, if you enjoy our programming, especially Friday, where it's unbelievable how many people are tuned in around the world. I'm so flattered that this program does what it does. But But Thursday, Friday, for some reason... It is amazing how many people we attract, and it, it is a, a really it's a heartwarming feeling, and I thank you. Uh, if you like what we do, um, if you like the people that we speak with, if you, if you feel that this is not a waste of time, but in fact a great use of your time to be with us every single weekday morning, every single Sunday morning, every single Saturday night, uh, then please uh, donate. But please keep us going. Our Cause Match campaign has begun. It has begun. It's a soft launch. The big day, of course, will be Tuesday, Giving Tuesday. But you can give right now and support us. Go to NahumSiegel.com. It's a banner at the top of the page, NahumSiegel.com, the banner at the top of the page. And, of course, it is um, uh, the NSN app, the banner at the top of the app, NSN app, banner at the top of the app. This time, each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden. Spiritual Leader Emeritus, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow is the privilege of reading Parshas Vayechi. This Shabbos is Shabbos Chazak. We take leave of Sefer Bereshis. And in this week's Parsha, we find that Yaakov one, uh, blesses his children prior to his passing. Uh, the idea that Yaakov asks, Chazal tell us, for an indication that he is going to die, so he would know to, quote, put his house in order, because after all, we are all to learn from the Torah. And Ultimately, the parsha ends with the burial of Yaakov in Ma'oras Hamachpelah. So as we complete the book of Bereshis, we have to remind ourselves that there are no Bible stories. 
There are only Bible lessons. And therefore, at the very beginning of the parsha, when Yaakov beseeches Yosef and asks him to swear that he not be buried in Mitzrayim. And specifically, Yaakov says to Yosef, you will perform, please, with me, chesed ve'emes. Chesed literally is a kindness, and emes is a truth. If you think about it, they don't logically go together. Chesed appears to be something that a person is doing, though they're not obligated to do, and emes is something that one would be obligated to do. So how do we understand the term chesed ve'emes? So Rashi tells us chesed she'osem im ha'meisim, the chesed, the kindness that a person does with the dead, who chesed shall emes. This is the highest form of chesed, or true chesed, she'enu metzapeh v'tashlum gemul, because there's no anticipation for any kind of reciprocity or reward from a kindness which one does with the mason, with the dead. In other words, um, re- I do for you. Why am I doing chesed for you? Because someday you will reciprocate in kind. You're going to owe me one, but not so when you do chesed with the mason. However, in reality, I believe that the Torah is teaching us not only this particular lesson regarding chesed with the mason, which has given the name of the burial society throughout Jewish history, that they were called chesed shel emes, but I believe that the Torah is teaching us here a binyan av, meaning that this is to be a foundation for the rest of one's dealing with chesed, and that is, ideally, all of one's chesed is to be performed without the expectation of reciprocation, without expecting something in return. Thus, we find in the long story, back in chapter 24 of Bereshis, dedicated to Eliezer, finding a wife for Yitzchak, that when Rivka complies with Eliezer's noble wishes, his prayer that he davens to Hashem, and sure enough, the girl that comes and responds affirmatively, she'll give him to drink, and she will then uh, draw for all his camels, that's the girl, etc. And what do we find? We find something very interesting that what does Eliezer do before he even finds out who the girl is? He gives her, first of all, the jewelry. Then he asks her who she is. And when she says that she's from, uh, come on, uh, Avram's family, what does he say in chapter 24, Pasuk 
27. Vayomer, Eliezer says, Baruch Hashem, thank you God. Elokei Adoni Avraham, Ashelo Ozav Chazdo V'Amito, who has not literally withheld his chesed and emes, Me'im Adoni, from my master. Now there's no question about it that Eliezer is not expecting any kind of return from here. But what do we see? That he's talking about her pure and genuine altruism, not asking or expecting anything in return. So what we find over there with Rivka is truly an example of Chesed Shal Emes. And that's how the Sephurno in his commentary on chapter 24, Pasuk 22, says exactly the point. Ra'ah, Eliezer sees that she wasn't waiting for a tip. She wasn't expecting anything, certainly not the jewelry that came. So if you ask yourself, why? Why does the Torah have to devote so much to the chapter of finding a bride for Yitzchak, it's not only to teach us how important it is to choose the proper mate in marriage, but it's teaching us a very important principle in chesed, namely that your chesed should emulate that of Rivka, Rivka Imenu, which is chesed shall emes of the highest order. And so too we find in the beginning of Sefer Yoshua. In chapter 2, we are taught that Yoshua sends Miraglim, he sends spies, two of them, Kolev and Pinchas, and we are taught that Rachav hides the two spies and she saves their lives. At which point, starting with Pasuk Yud in chapter 2, she requests of them that they should swear to her that just as she has done chesed with them, they too will do chesed with her family by saving them when the Jewish people conquer the land. And what do they respond to her, the Maraglim, in Pasuk Yudalid? They respond to her and they say that when Hashem gives us the land, we will do with you not chesed, which is what you're asking for, but chesed v'yemes. And the Metsudas David teaches that they responded that unlike you, who are certainly performing chesed, but looking for reciprocation in kind, namely, that we will do for you what you did for us, we will extend to you chesed in its pristine form, namely, without reciprocation. To quote the Metsudas David, Beli Tashlum Gemul. Now, I believe that if we take a moment just to ask ourselves what the term MS means, all right? So, I'm going to refer you to the second chapter of More Nevuchim, whereby the Rambam responds to the following question. At first glance, it seems bizarre that when Adam 
defies Hashem, and he eats from the forbidden fruit, what happens to him? He's, quote, punished by being rewarded for his transgression. What does that mean? After all, the unique characteristic that separates man from the animal is his intelligence. So is it not strange that after defying Hashem, Adam is rewarded with the knowledge of Tov and Ra? The Rambam answers and says, No, he got it all wrong. He says, Indeed, Adam had knowledge prior to his eating. As we're told in chapter 1 of Bereshit, that he was created B'Tselem Elohim, which Bereshit Rabbah, in chapter 8, paragraph 11, explains it to mean, L'havin u'l'haskil, to understand and to gain wisdom, which means that he had wisdom. He understood what Hashem was communicating to him. So he had wisdom. Therefore, continues the Rambam and says that, watch, prior to Adam's sinning, his level of intelligence was absolute. His level of intelligence was in the realm of emes and sheker, true and false. Now, unfortunately, that Adam imbibed the knowledge of Tovarah, his original knowledge was on a much higher level. His original knowledge was objective. And now, unfortunately, his life was in the gray area of subjectivity. I'll give you a good example to clarify this point. For one man to hit another, I'm hoping that everybody is going to agree, is bad. And that's a true statement. A man should not hit another man. However, if you tell two men to put on shorts, to put on sneakers and gloves, and now you call it boxing, now you call it a sport, all of a sudden now it's acceptable for one man to hit another, even though, as oftentimes happens, oy, 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 it can lead to serious injury. Prior to Adam's eating, man's intelligence was objective, just like two and two is four. Similarly, his values were pure, straightforward, without subjectivity. And all this changed when he ate from the Eitz Hadas, Tovarah, good and bad, whereby now there's much gray overshadowing the prior black and white perspective of his life. Shlomo HaMelech in Eishas Chayil refers to the Torah as Torah's Chesed. And the Gemara reminds us that the Torah begins with Hashem's Chesed of creating and providing clothing for Adam and Chava, and it ends with Hashem's Chesed of burying Moshe. And we are commanded to do Chesed, as the Torah says in Parshas, Kisavo veholachto bidrachov, that we are to go in his image. This is one of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah, to emulate Hashem, as he is the practitioner of constant chesed shel emes, meaning that all of Hashem's kindness is done with complete and total altruism, as the Ramchal says in his Derech Hashem, that Derech 
Hatov lehetiv, meaning the nature of the good one is to extend goodness. Hashem created a magnificent world, showers mankind with abundant blessings every second. As we say every morning, Pokeachivrim, Baruch Hashem, we can see, Mabisha Rumim, thank God, Matira Surim, Zokev Kefufim, Rokal Oretz Alamoyim, all of these functions that we take for granted every moment and only when unfortunately god forbid one of them is acting in a deficient fashion oh only then do we realize his constant chasodim that he does for us but take a look how does hashem do chesed it's all chesed shal emes meaning without needing or expecting anything in return therefore before we Perform a chesed, be it bikocholim in person or on the telephone, nichamavelim in person or on the telephone, hachnasas kala, all of the different chasodim that we are privileged to be able to do, one should ideally say, I'm about to fulfill the mitzvah of the alachto bidrachav, emulating Hashem. And therefore, one should strive to extend help whenever possible anonymously, not to not leaving the recipient of your kindness with the feeling of indebtedness to you. The fellow down the block, unfortunately, is out of a job, and he needs money. Plan A, I knock on the door. I say, so-and-so, here's the envelope. I, hope it, I know it's going to help you with your family, supporting them for the next week or two. That's plan A. But plan B is the chesed shalemes. I put it under the door. I ring the bell and run away. He doesn't know who dropped it. He doesn't have that feeling of indebtedness to me. A beautiful story to prove this occurred to reflect this message well. A boy with dyslexia and special needs was taught for many months the wrong Haftorah. When the family realized the mistake, it was much too late to even attempt to teach him the correct one. They asked the late Rav Shlomo Orbach, if anything could be done in order to help out this boy. And he ruled that the boy should read the Torah he studied on his Shabbos. He instructed the father to tell the Gabbai and the Tzibor, the congregation, that this was in accordance with Rabbi Shlomo Zalman's teaching. Anticipating, however, that the congregation might be troubled and concerned Regarding the legitimacy of the Psak, the aged rabbi, close to 80 years old, walked from Sanhedria, excuse me, from Sharet Tzedek to Sanhedria over an hour to personally be present for the reading of the Haftorah. Now, what could Rav Shlomo Zalman have anticipated to receive from the family? But rather, he exuded and taught all of us how we are to perform chesed v'emes, chesed of the highest order. My friends, COVID has hit all of us in a most devastating way. And among the many harsh consequences has been the imposed social distancing, which has manifested itself in disallowing one to have Shabbos and Yom Tov guests. Too many individuals who live alone and who are isolated by the pandemic, have suffered greatly from this imposition. And it behooves us 
to therefore act as Abram Avinu, who has been taught in Ovost Rav Nason, chapter 7, paragraph 1, which compares and contrasts the chesed of Abram and Eov. Eov responded generously to all he came to his home and asked for food and shelter. But in contrast, Abram Avinu initiated chesed by searching for guests, providing them with chesed ve'emes. And we too must follow Avram's way to extend our concern and compassion in finding creative ways during these especially times. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. It's Hamalach, of course. Shlomi Dax. Thanks for t- tuning in. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayechiz. We close out the Book of Bracious. Shabbos Chazak. Uh, I want to give a special thank you again to Mark Zamek and Avrami Finkelstein. It was last Thursday and Friday they stepped in at the last minute to make sure that our programming, which is so vital, it's vital every day, but so vital on Thursday and Friday, would continue, and I thank them very, very much. Great to be back. I was under the weather last week, and thank God all is wonderful today, and I appreciate all that they continue to do, and so many of our staff members and volunteers continue to do here at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. Candlelighting at 410 here in New York. 410 is candlelighting time here in New York. I see we oh, we already got up to the 3% mark. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Uh, I, I Honestly, I can't believe it because we just kicked off the campaign with a soft launch very late last night, and... Um, 
I don't know. We've we've been we've been thank God getting a wonderful, steady show of support so far at this very very beginning of our campaign, which will have its focus on Giving Tuesday this coming Tuesday from Got to Get a Bagel in Woodmere. And uh, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank the ambassadors. I want to thank uh, people who have already contributed. I want to thank everybody for the nice messages that they're leaving. Um, it's much appreciated. It is much much appreciated. Anyway, um, so we've exceeded three percent which I think is more than anybody anticipated for this morning, frankly, uh, which is a wonderful feeling. And those of you who are who are continuing to be um, thrilled with what we do every single day, who find it worthwhile to tune into us every single day, or even every once in a while, and who know other people who tune in every single day and find it really heartwarming and wonderful, uh, give what you can. Please give what you can. It's, um, it's, uh, well, it's very simple. NahumSiegel.com, the banner at the top of the page. NSN app, the banner at the top of the app. Just click on it, give what you can, and thank you so much. Uh, can't, uh, can't thank everybody enough for the beautiful and wonderful, um, donations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, it's JM in the AM. Young Israel Talmud Torah of Flatbush has their lecture series continuing tomorrow night. Dr. Henry Abramson on the topic of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the first Jew of modernity, 8.15 tomorrow night, happening at uh, 1305 Coney Island Avenue between Avenues I and J. Go to yittf.org, yittf.org, or call the Young Israel Talmud Torah of Flatbush at 718-377-2528 for information. Also, speaking of Flatbush, the Makar event is this Sunday in Flatbush. Give me a second. Here it is. Makar Disability Services, Women's League Community Residences, Makar Mothers Committee. Invite you to a festive women's brunch. is coming Sunday at 11 a.m. At, at 1402 Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Mrs. Jackie Batone, the motivational speaker, will be the guest speaker. Information, you can contact Makar at the 718-853-0900, 718 718-853- Zero nine hundred, and we've spent a great deal of time reminding the young ladies out there that the Young Israel of Woodmere is the place is coming Sunday to explore a career in health sciences. Is a career in health sciences in your future? Join Turo College for a special presentation on the topic of medicine, dentistry, nursing, physical and occupational therapy. They'll have uh, current students and alumni speak. Mimi Knoll, Doctor Mimi Knoll. Uh, the board-certified radiation oncologist and co-founder of JALMO will be speaking as well. It's all the Young Israel of Woodmere uh, happening for women this coming Sunday, 10 a.m. And um, information, you can go to turo.edu slash healthcareer. Turo.edu slash healthcareer. Um, also, don't forget that the Unite to Heal event, which uh, we outlined with Rabbi Tzvi Gluck and with Yummy Shachter earlier in the week, is Sunday. We will kick it off live at 9 a.m. Sunday morning at UniteToHeal.com. UniteToHeal.com. The lineup is insane. They've again put together such unbelievable content. To their credit, I gotta tell I gotta tell you, they put together such unbelievable content. Kalakavod to them. And uh, we will do the kickoff 9 a.m. Sunday. We'll do the uh, the conclusion for three hours Monday night. UniteToHeal.com, UniteToHeal.com. And then literally we're heading to Got to Get a Bagel for Tuesday mornings, Giving Tuesday for our campaign. Uh, So it's going to be quite a couple of days, that's for sure. It's going to be quite a couple of days. 
And I thank everybody who's being generous and supporting great causes and taking our recommendations and supporting us here at the network. As we get toward the end of the year, all I could say is thank you, thank you, and thank you. Um, what can I say? It's an unbelievable feeling to know the type of support we have and the type of enthusiasm we have behind that support. Candle lighting at 410 on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Um, there was... Um, there was something else I wanted to mention to everybody. I will remind you that Mark Zomik has the 200th edition of the Erev Shabbos show coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Pretty amazing, huh? I agree. Time to say good Shabbos. Journeys, JM in the AM.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web and alchemsegal.com and the Alchemsegal Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. And when you go to that app, go to the very top of the app, you'll see the banner where you could support us, encourage your friends over the weekend to do the same thing. You could share my post on Facebook and just encourage people to give and support us here at JM and the AM. Also, at the top of NahumSiegel.com, you'll see a banner where you could support us as well. And thank you for getting our campaign off to an amazing start. Looking forward to Giving Tuesday, that's for sure. Hey, on Sunday, we'll be talking about Amudim. And there are 36 hours of amazing content and great presentations. Join us at 9 a.m. Sunday morning at UniteToHeal.com. Mark coming up at 10 o'clock with the Arab Shabbat Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Uh, Tomorrow night with Avrami, Saturday night Siegel and Rabbi Zwickler. Sunday, it's uh, Matis and JM Sunday, live at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plenty going on. Monday morning, I cannot wait to speak to you again. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.